Hello, everybody. Hi, my name is Rajiv, and my pronouns are he, him. And hi, I'm Carly, my pronouns are she, her. And welcome to the Queer Sober Social Podcast. We're a chill social group of LGBTQIA folks who want to do more with their lives than just drinking. Whether you identify as in recovery, sober curious, or just wanted to be sober while you're listening in, we're happy that you're here. And with that, let's get started. Alrighty, well, here we are. This is a few weeks before Valentine's Day, if you actually care about it. We are in 2021. This is a new year, a new you, uh, ready to hit the year hard. So let's talk about dating. Of course, now that we all have like the mental capacity to be able to do so, where do we even begin? There's so many different topics. There's so many places that we could go. So we thought maybe, you know, it's a new year. Let's start at the beginning. Starting with Sober Queer Dating 101. Welcome to class. (laughs) We are here to discuss all the trials and tribulations of dating as a fellow sober queer. And dating during a pandemic, I would say there's even more hurdles than ever to jump over, but we're here to break down the challenges, discuss the unique issues that come up with already just being a queer and a sober and a social person, and how to navigate that during a pandemic. So to start off, we're going to break it down by queer, sober, and social, and just talk about the challenges that come up with those. And this is not to be negative. It's more just so that you can feel seen and that you know that you're not alone in what you're going through. And we are all in this together. And then after we talk about the challenges, we will go on and discuss our very own tips and tricks for navigating dating in 2021 and beyond. So Rajiv, if you'd like to kick it off, let's start with queer. What are some challenges that come up in queer dating for you? Some of them might be kind of obvious, but still, we want to make sure that they're said because there are things that the queer community has to deal with that if you are not in the queer community, you don't even need to think about. For example, homophobia, biphobia, acephobia, like, like all those sort of phobias that are attached to any, any one or multiple letters of the LGBTQIA community, you see that that tends to be a thing that you actually need to pay attention to, which is shocking in some respects, uh, but also very expected in many others. Because this show of, be it homophobia, be it biphobia, whatever, the sorts of phobias can be like outward, like directly to you, which is very, very frustrating when that happens. Uh, But it can also just be like you trying to figure it out for yourself, especially if you're like still figuring out your identity or you're toying with using a newer or different identity That kind of stuff can make dating that much more difficult. For example, like if you are newly trans and you're trying to figure out your own uh, gender expression and gender identity there, like all of that can be a little bit daunting, which I definitely want to call that out because for somebody who doesn't have to think about their gender, who doesn't have to think about their sexuality, that's not even a consideration. It doesn't even cross their mind. So that's one thing that makes it really difficult. But uh, what other things do you think are out there for the queer side of things. Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is just how many straight couples there are on dating apps looking for queer women to kind of be their unicorn. Um, Some might call it unicorn hunting and just these um, straight, I mean, maybe they're even queer too, but just mostly straight couples that are looking to bring and kind of recruit a third female identified person into their relationship, whether that be 
for a night, whether that be like, uh, you know, a thruple situation. <laughs> it's usually not that. It's more just um, come fulfill my man's fantasy. And uh, that's what we're recruiting for online. So it's kind of can be frustrating to see a lot of that especially when you're just like trying to figure out your own queer dating and your own queer preferences like to be targeted by all of these looking straight couples that are just like hunting after you to join their relationship if that's not what you're looking for that's kind of uh, can be frustrating to see in the scene Uh, as well as being fetishized for your queer identity and that's just another thing that you have to be on the lookout for um, when you start to get into conversations with people about your identity and just making sure that there's a difference between being accepted for who you are and just being fetishized for who you are meaning that this person thinks it's like a like I don't know just finds that this identity of yours is like a kink of theirs or something that just like specifically turns them on in like a certain way just being on the lookout for that um and it's a fine line, I would say, between just overall compassion and acceptance for the community, especially if they're in the community themselves, and as opposed to being fetishized. I think even that can make people a little bit hesitant to even reveal some parts of their identity at times. For example, like uh, like the example that I was talking about earlier, or example with like having this level of fetishization, which is very uncomfortable, I can definitely say. It's just around like, when do you actually do it? You have to actually come out in many in many ways when you're actually dating as queer, which God forbid that you actually have to do that yet again to somebody that you just met yet again. Um, like for people who uh, identify as bisexual or similar, like that can be something that you actively have to come out as. Or people who are maybe non-binary or use different pronouns for their own gender identity, like who don't necessarily show their gender identity as such. That is also something that you may need to explicitly talk about. And those are conversations that you just add on top of something that's brand new that you're just trying to figure out like, hey, are we compatible? Uh, do we make sense? Oh, by the way, like my pronouns are like, <laughs> or I identify as like all of that just adds a little bit more pressure there. So definitely queerness is one, one major part of the story. This is a queer sober social podcast. What really comes up when you think about some of the troubles that you have when you're talking about sober dating, because they are separate, but in a lot of ways kind of similar. Yes. So for sober dating, the first thing I think of is that when you're talking about where to go on a date, everyone wants to immediately, let's go for a drink. Let's meet up at a bar. And it's like nobody puts any creativity into anything anymore. (laughs) But if you're sober, you're probably not going to be very turned on by the idea of meeting up at a bar for a drink. Uh, Not saying that you there has to be an alcoholic drink but just i found with sober dating that you can get so much more creative um so just kind of pushing people to have to get more creative being like hey i actually i don't drink i'm not gonna go to meet you up at a bar so what are we gonna do question mark question mark (laughs) what do you think rajiv i i think that people even after you have something like that or you have that conversation like that or you're trying to talk people into not going to a bar (laughs) People all of a sudden have like really weird hangups about you being sober or like you not wanting to drink. And so, for example, like it's it's all of a sudden just like holding a giant mirror up to their own relationship with alcohol, whether that's like completely like healthy and normal, like uh, like what is pretty accepted within society, whether that is something that is flirting with alcoholism, whether that's something that's very much not healthy, no matter what, 
for some reason or another, just by the fact that you are somebody who's not drinking, and then they might be, they start questioning themselves, which is really, I don't know, like it feels like they're overcompensating or like having to justify their own drinking a lot of times. Where it may not be a case where you're just like, all right, well, yeah, I don't really care. Or it's something that I just wanted to make sure that you're aware of because it has been an issue in the past or somebody might consider that a major part of their personality or how they hang out with people. Still, I don't know. It brings up some interesting conversations that I didn't think I would have to have. <laughs> yes, it has done the same for me as well. Just because like you automatically know like if this is a huge part of your life or a foundation of your life or just a piece of who you are, it's going to come up and you don't know how the other person's going <laughs> to respond <laughs> necessarily. So it's always a fun, uh, fun experiment to have with people. Another thing that is often talked about with sober dating is do you want to date somebody who has a casual relationship with alcohol or substances or are you looking for somebody else that is in recovery if you are also in recovery or just doesn't drink for whatever reason. So it's really um, kind of a spectrum of what am I comfortable with and am I looking for something in particular? I know a lot of programs say maybe not to date anybody in the first year of sobriety and um, you know that's a hot tip so I mean maybe if you are meeting somebody who's new in sobriety that can be something to consider as well if you're maybe a little bit further along or if you're new in sobriety trying to date somebody else's who's new into sobriety there is a lot of factors at play there so just something to consider uh, as a sober dater. I think that's really interesting because I had not heard that, that like basically within the first year that you probably should avoid dating in the first place. I, it makes sense because you're probably figuring out like a whole lot of other things that take away from dating. You may be changing as a human being coming out of some of the initial phases of uh, recovery or, or sobriety. So totally get, totally understandable. But at the same time, a little bit surprising because that's it's I'm not somebody who has been in recovery. So it's something that I don't think about like uh, on a regular basis in any way. But it makes sense. I think what's also interesting is just thinking about going back to like just the lack of creativity. Uh, I think the also the way that many places have incentivized people to come to their place has been through the use of drinking. Like if you're going to a comedy show, there's like a two drink minimum for you to be able to get in. Or like if you are going to like uh, some sort of like club or party or something like that, there's always a bar that's like always chock full of people trying to get a drink or something. So it just adds a little bit more, a few more barriers basically, every single step of the way, as you're even thinking through like, where do you go? How do you try to be creative? You want to go to this thing, but the only way that they're doing an art night is if they do it art with wine or something like that. Like that's really annoying. <laughs> so there's the extra uh, frustrations that there are out there with sober dating as well. I think the other part that we're not really talking about, even though this is 2021, is how did this all go down with 2020? It's still continuing, uh, even as of today, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, but there, there are still some complications that get added all on top of everything we just said uh, with regards to like the pandemic or other things. Like, So Carly, do you have some ideas on that? Yes. Yeah, so we talked about some queer barriers. We talked about some sober dating things that come up but what about the social aspect and there's so many ways to go with this but the social aspect in 2021 is that we are living still in a national pandemic so we are going to talk about some of the challenges that come up with that and trying to be social in 2021 is that there's a lot of disagreements on the way that individuals are handling safety right now and 
that can be an issue when it comes to planning a date or how to move forward when you are talking to somebody virtually in a romantic capacity and wanting to step forward. Like where, how do you date in 2021? What do you think, Rajiv? Uh, it's really a difficult question. Like, because, because there's so many right, quote unquote, right answers, there's also so many wrong answers that it's really, really tough. Like, a lot of people have been experimenting with this idea of doing virtual dates, uh, which is you, I mean, like nobody has anywhere to go anyway, so like why not try to have some sort of experience while you're sitting in the comfort of your own homes? Like maybe you have a video date or something like that, or you are at least trying to like do that initial coffee, coffee date slash like initial drink or like whatever, like um, quick first date type of thing. And the best way to do that is still by being at home and being virtual because like right now doing things in person is still pretty unsafe. And especially right now here in Chicago where it's like 16 degrees Fahrenheit outside is not fun. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe there's some like snowbirds out there or something like that who are able to handle all this stuff, but um, not me. <laughs> I'm not somebody who wants to be walking outside in, in this kind of cold. So. Anything physical is just kind of like out of the question for at least a few more months. So the main thing that people are turning to is just virtual dating, which is, you know, has its own challenges as well. Right. It's almost like having to do a long distance relationship with somebody that lives in the same town as you <laughs> at this point. Right. And uh, which seems a little silly, but, you know, it's where we're at right now and you have to really find those boundaries that you have and stick to them and find somebody whose boundaries align with yours so that you are both safe and, you know, or, you know, just taking things one step at a time and being cautious as possible. But the pandemic has really, I think, forced people to have a lot of the tough conversations up front because you have to be so trusting of each other and each other's safety and things like that, that I think meeting people has gotten i mean a lot easier just because everybody's online but also at the same time you know you are having hard conversations up front you are not really like waiting to see how you feel about someone it's very much like let's get the big things out of the way the big ticket items let's discuss our queerness let's discuss sobriety let me talk about the things that are important to me and if you're not vibing with it then like see ya <laughs> So I've heard of other people finding really deep relationships just because the talks that you're able to have. And I mean, yes, it is virtually, but I think because you're like have that distance from the screen, you're just being able to be a lot more vulnerable and just share like, hey, this is my life <laughs> and take me or leave me. But this is me. So I don't know. That's kind of an interesting aspect of what I found that like, you can really like move the relationship forward a lot quicker than it would be to like take a series of individual dates and just like slowly reveal things to people at, as you're dating them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, I mean, there's also the point around, well, okay, if you're not vibing, you can kind of go to the next person pretty quickly. That kind of is a good and bad thing mm -hmm. because the good thing is like everybody's currently on the apps because a like in-person dating has died. Sorry. Like, <laughs> and like in-person dating is not safe right now. And either way, like we're all now slaves to the algorithms that these dating apps have put together. So there's a lot of people on there and like everybody's on there and maybe it's just me being a little bit bitter and like <laughs> uh, negative about this whole situation, but there are more people. 
that's that's a good that can be a good thing it could also be a bad thing just because like you're very quickly going to be trying to find what's the next person and is there a better match out there which has its own problems but that's not a queer sober dating problem that's a general dating problem <laughs> uh the other problem is is that you kind of have to be charming over non-in-person like mediums so like you have to find the app or the text or like the thing to do on a video chat to just like to be able to get that sense of personality across part of the other issues with the dating apps is just like you really don't have that much ability to share your personality on there um, it's really hard to be able to get like you as a human being across in like three pictures and like a couple sentences like that's that's really tough so that leaves more pressure for the interactions that you do have with somebody should you match or should you decide to go out and uh, uh, have a date with them so yeah <laughs> I, I definitely hear you on the fact that there's like a ton of people like there's still deeper conversations but having those deeper conversations is still a little bit tougher absolutely and the last part of this social aspect is that because we're all stuck at home because it's a pandemic people are just on the apps but they don't know what they're looking for they don't know what they want so it's a little bit complicated to have these conversations and really like suss out like hey what is this person looking for because i'm asking myself the same question what am i looking for and it's hard to find what matches up if you're just like hey i have i don't know <laughs> it's a pandemic what are we doing i know that i'm lonely but i don't not quite sure where i want to go from here so and having that conversation with two people that don't know what they're looking for it's hard to find a match in that in that case so with that i mean casual hookups have died r.i.p to casual hookups right now <laughs> just because of safety so i mean it just makes things way more complicated because if in that term if people are looking for longer term relationships it's just it's complicated right now it's like how do you know if somebody meets the threshold of letting them into your covid bubble like do you have a checklist of questions you ask them if they pass then like you'll consider it it's there's just so many question marks there is no handbook on how to date safely during a pandemic so just know that if you're running into any of these issues that we've talked about either now or in the past year that you're not alone and we are here scratching our heads asking ourselves the same questions as you <laughs> so that's why we want to talk about it because it's normal to want to date but the question is just a little bit of how do we do that right now i mean just the pandemic is forcing us to think about how to do things like differently in every single aspect of our lives like how do you work out safely how do you go to work safely how do you date safely how do you like go do groceries safely, like everything from the mundane to just every aspect of our lives has to be like reconsidered during this pandemic. So it makes perfect sense that nobody has a clue. Uh, we certainly have not been a pandemic before, like a global pandemic like this, especially in the modern era where you have dating apps and like online ways of connecting with people. So uh, there's a lot of question marks that we're all just kind of figuring out on our own altogether at the same time. So that is also just another way to say that there is a need to be a bit more compassionate with people just in case because like everybody's figuring it out so people are going to make mistakes and so sometimes unfortunately you may find somebody that's like really promising and they just don't jive with your like covid predilections like what you actually want to do uh and be safe uh around this quarantine and unfortunately that can end the relationship 
Or you may find somebody that's like really gelling with trying to be safe and trying to be distanced, but that unfortunately creates too much distance. And then you kind of like end the relationship that way. Like those things happen. And you just got to be like a little bit compassionate and say like, we tried. Because it, dating right now is super tough. And it's not something that I think that anybody was prepared for, except for maybe the people who are like very good at long distance relationships. I mean, kudos to them, question mark. But even then, I imagine there's, there's issues that always crop up with that. Some things that I don't think that are really talked about just end up showing up somehow or other just in, in, these, in these smaller situations. Now, one of the things that I think we maybe want to shift to is in addition to all these troubles and issues, like what do we act, where, where can you learn what is right or what we want to be doing? One, one place I don't really turn to is to media and like general stories from people because I don't know, like if you are in a situation where you're seeing, uh, when, you're, when you're like just messaging with people and something comes up and it's like, all right, well, yeah, I see, I see you don't drink. Like, yeah, what's up with that? In, in my own situation, uh, that has been just like a very nice way of them totally ghosting you because they actually did care and they just didn't want to outright say it. Or I assume so, obviously. You can't necessarily know what's going on in somebody else's head. But I think that that's, that's one of the places that I find is really, really tough. Media in general just doesn't have any really good stories around quarantine dating yet. Uh, maybe we'll see some like good movies or something like that coming out in a year uh, after they film some nice quarantine dating. Like he, he was wearing a mask, but he didn't refuse to. And they couldn't actually meet like stupid storylines like that. I fully expect that to be out in less than 12 months. For sure. I mean, I've seen people on social media like kissing with masks on. I mean, like they're obviously in their same COVID bubble, but like it's just like saying a goodbye kiss, but like through a mask. And I'm like, this is uncomfortable, but also it's our reality, I guess. Now. <laughs> it's um, it's a little much, but uh, we have a funny story from one of our listeners, and I'm sure that you all out there listening to this have your own silly pandemic dating stories. And if you do, we would love to hear them. So please share with us in the chat if you're here now, or you can always leave us a voice message that we can play on the podcast later because we can talk about dating forever. And that is for sure. And this is just the introductory episode. So one of our uh, listeners in our community said that one time they went on a date over the summer and... They were kind of into her, but then at the end of the date, she said, have a great rest of your summer. And it was only June. So it's just a nice way to say farewell for now. Um, I would love to do a whole episode on like how to politely end a date because, or how to end things maturely with somebody that you know you're not feeling because I feel like a lot of people in the queer community and otherwise could use a refresher on how to depart gracefully (laughs) (laughs) i would love to talk about that Uh, but before we get to the end i would love to get to the beginning so we've talked about all the challenges that come up with dating let's tell you how to navigate it how do you navigate dating while being sober and queer so let's start at the very beginning and let's start before you even meet someone rajiv tell us what you got What are your tips? Alrighty, this is the 101 section. Like this is <laughs> this is the lab section for dating, uh, queer dating 101. Uh, you gotta know what you want before you go ahead and start swiping or like messaging people. And so maybe you're creating a list of things that you want to do or like uh, want to have within a person. 
or that you have in a sense of just like what you absolutely need, um, you set up your deal breakers. Those are really important things to have a good sense of before you even start opening the apps. One, one easy thing to do is to like set up your queerness or sobriety as filters. I think that that can be something that is really great for you to just know like, hey, I absolutely do need somebody who is okay with my sobriety or who is okay with me being in recovery or that is okay with my specific queer identity. Like that's super important to me. That you can use is just like, all right, well, this person says that they don't date bisexual guys. This person says that they don't do this. That person says no. Like you can use it as a positive filter in a sense. Like you don't necessarily have to like make it a, a really like hard line to just say like, you must absolutely do this. But rather you can kind of use that as a quick way to just check like, okay, cool. Are we going to be compatible even in the first place? I mean, here's the thing. Make the apps work for you. There is a button on OkCupid that says, don't show me any straight people. And if that's how you're feeling (laughs) and you want a queer date and just solely queer date, push that button. Just swipe to the like, turn it on and you won't see any straight people. And I think that makes some people in our community feel really safe and just being able to write your profile in a way that you know that only queer people are going to see it so you can use queer lingo you can try out different things you can put whatever you want in there so try that out if that feels like a good option for you and before you meet anyone too like Rajiv was saying like reflect on previous relationships or previous people that you have talked to and just like think about what happened in those interactions that you enjoyed or what happened in those interactions that you don't want to repeat again (laughs) and how to add those things to deal breaker lists maybe potentially like forming that from your past experiences and just using that as a reflection tool to use while you're moving forward and looking for somebody new but at the same time just being authentic, being yourself, and then really just trying to be as clear as possible what you're looking for and just knowing that that can change, especially in the pandemic. Like you can wake up one day feeling like, hey, today I feel like I want a long-term relationship and the next day you could feel like maybe you want something more short-term. Just update your profile as your feelings change. That's totally acceptable and fine. Nothing is set in stone on the internet. For sure. Uh, And there's a couple chats that are actually coming in from uh, Devin and Mystique. Hello, welcome back. Uh, as somebody who has had a lot of rejection in the last year, it hurts a lot to be ghosted or given a vague reason. It's hard, but I would much rather hurt. I would have much rather heard someone say that they couldn't date someone with kids or disabilities, or just didn't feel a spark. Like absolutely fair, and I think that that's that's a big like dating problem right now. Is first of all the controversial thing is to to discuss is like how do you define ghosting, because that's something that people don't agree on. Uh, the second thing is like why ghosting even occurs in the first place and that never really has a great positive (laughs) answer to that Uh, and then also like people who are doing the ghosting or who have been ghosted like what are they actually feeling as they're going about doing all that stuff that to me feels like advanced dating like that's a dating 102 or like 201 type of thing however i can definitely recognize that is tough it really sucks because uh you don't know what's in their head and unfortunately like whatever happens to you you're just you just gotta like deal with what's going on it is really rough to just not give me given a reason but you just have to realize that like that's that's on them like their decision to not do so or their decision to like not continue something Um, that's not something on you the way that i've at least been thinking about it has just been if you're not matching like that's the end of the relationship like you shouldn't just continue going forward 
And whether that shows up in a way that like that person ghosted you, or it shows up in a way where somehow or other it just st didn't respond to people, like that for sure is something that can happen. But to me, that's just another indication that it wasn't a match in the first place. Feminine Mystique says, not responding to texts or blocking my number without warning, I consider ghosting. That's plain old rude, really. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I agree. Um, there's some people who may consider like if you're initially just chatting, like very, very, very initially, that if you stop at that point, it's kind of like a regular conversation fizzling out. But for sure, if you're like responding and there's a very clear like, hey, I, I'm, I'm looking for a response, and then they just kind of don't respond, that seems really annoying and, and unfortunate. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, especially now in the pandemic. Like, we've seen that everyone's attitude is that they don't owe anybody anything. So <laughs> it's no surprise that there's no loyalty to just cutting off conversations at whatever point feels like you said, Rajiv, it's on them. Like we have no idea what's going on in their head and it says more about them than it does about you for sure. And because you haven't met up with somebody in person or maybe you have even and you've gotten ghosted, um, it's just, mm. I think now where if you're not feeling it and you've only chatted a little bit virtually and it's not working out, like you said, Rajiv, there's just that impulse of like, hey, I know I could just go back on the apps or hey, I know I could just start talking to somebody new. And it's just this like constant cycle of like nobody's loyal to anyone right now. <laughs> so when you do find somebody you enjoy talking to, you would hope that they have this mutual respect that you are giving them to be a mature adult and have a conversation. But like you said, I would love to talk more about this in depth, but <laughs> we want to get back to, you know, the beginning of a relationship. The ghosting kind of comes in once you're already starting to talk to somebody, but there's some, you know, groundwork that needs to be laid for you personally before you even put yourself out there. And that's kind of going back to things that we talked about earlier of knowing your boundaries, knowing what you're looking for, not compromising on those things, and just setting the algorithms to do some of the legwork and the lifting for you so that you're not weeding through every single person in the world or people that aren't open to queer dating so or sober dating. So doing that first and foremost, and then we're going to kind of get back into it. So as you're swiping, as you're looking on the apps, you're officially a detective now. So you are really going to want to pay close attention to somebody's photos. Like Rajiv said, like there's only so much that you can get out of photos in a bio. So you are going to dust those things for fingerprints as closely as you can. And for fingerprints, I mean, you're going to look for if they're holding a drink in every photo. You're going to look if there's any like... I don't know, things going on in the background of their photo. Are they at a bar in every picture? Are they out? Are they clubbing? Are they like having a different lifestyle than what is the lifestyle you would like to have in a potential partner based on these photos? Because that's what they're putting out in the world. So you can only assume that that's kind of the best piece of their personality visually that you're going to get right off the bat second thing to look at is their bio and what they write about themselves a lot of people from what i've seen will put that they love alcohol just right in their right in their bio and maybe it's not as you know blunt as i love alcohol but it could very much be you know brunch with mimosas or like i love like they, people love putting their favorite alcohol for some reason in their bio i think it just makes them feel better about their life choices but look for that and if you see that that might be an ultimate swipe left or say no for you if that's in your boundaries that you've already established before dating. So just there's a lot that you can get out of looking at people's profiles and taking the time to do that can really help you find a better match potentially. And and let's say that you get through the swiping and somehow or other you match. 
the algorithm gods have favored you and you now have somebody that you're able to talk to. Now you have the other stuff that we were talking about as potential issues cropping up. Uh, for example, there's in chat, uh, Marty from YouTube, welcome back, says that it makes sense as I'm starting a new relationship and finding that my shadow or past is showing up. Mm. Like, yeah, sure. We, I mean, whenever you're starting to date someone, you bring your whole self with you there, warts and all. <laughs> like, <laughs> so there's some stuff that comes out. Um, and some of the other things can also pop, crop up. Like, when do you come out with them, to them? Like we mentioned at the beginning, there's the whole stupid thing that some people have. It's Believe me, like, I am sorry for anybody who has any trouble with this because it's very problematic, but it needs to be said because it's still out there. Like, there are people who actively are seeking or, like, are only interested in other, quote-unquote, gold star gays. If you've ever heard that word, um, it means somebody who's never slept with a woman. Uh, there's also the more jokey version of that called platinum star gays, meaning... People who have been born with a C-section and have also not slept with a woman, fill in the gaps. Yeah, some people actually care about that stuff. And so like you may match, you may still work with people. And then all of a sudden this kind of stuff comes out, even within the queer community. Like that to me seems super stupid. Like I'm sure there's something equivalent like with gold star lesbians. There's for people who are trans, like there's the horrible stuff that you have to deal with with TERFs and stuff like that. Like. Those are things that just crop up after you meet somebody. That, very unlikely, is going to be in their bio. Uh, they probably won't be saying, I love alcohol, or like, yes, I am a turf, or something like that. Um, kudos to them for being very upfront if they do, but you know, <laughs> sometimes you have to find out the hard way. And those, those, are, those are things that you just have to deal with once you actually match in the first place. Yeah, and when you do match, I mean, hopefully you don't have to uncover that they are an awful person underneath it all, but, I think a good tip is to take the initiative on having conversations about pronouns or how someone identifies. Like if you just like weave it into your normal conversation of like when you first start talking to somebody like, oh, and by the way, like how do you identify? What are your pronouns? And just, you know, making it a commonplace conversation if it's not already in their bio, which maybe that's could be a way to bring it up too, or bring up your own identification if it's in their bio just using that as a you know a way to connect as well I, the other thing that you need to ask about is just what is their relationship with with alcohol for example like it's something that's so ingrained within the way that dating works is that if you don't say anything it's got to come up at some point like actually even if you don't say anything it's going to come up like guaranteed because like inevitably you're going to go to some sort of work party where there's some sort of drink there or you're like have to talk about a first date and then all of a sudden like all right well okay here yep here the conversation comes hey i'm sorry i don't drink or i'd prefer that we don't go to a bar and then it's like all the nonsense that comes up that we talked about earlier which but <laughs> well part of this too is like do you put this stuff in your profile are you the one that's like upfront about it and like coming to terms with the fact that like hey and so i don't have to have these conversations on the road i'm just gonna let you know hey i'm queer I'm here. I'm sober. <laughs> like, get used to it or swipe left. Like, so it took a long time for me personally to be comfortable enough to do that. But I realized in doing that, my matches were so much more authentic. But I understand that there's reasons why you might not want to do that. But just a consideration to do, because that also goes back to what we talked about earlier about just being authentic and you know, kind of putting it out there up front and letting other people be the detective on you and read your bio and see if it's going to match for them or not and letting them take themselves in or out of the conversation with you 
depending on how they feel about that information that you show them. Now, okay, let's pretend somehow other algorithm gods have favored you. The luck gods have favored you. The gods of dating have favored you. The like COVID safety gods have saved, have favored you. Somehow or other, the planets are aligned and you are willing to meet them in person. What do you do, Carly? <laughs> okay, well, before you even think about meeting anybody in person, I don't care how long you've texted or however you talked on the phone, you need to video chat them and vet them. And there's so much important stuff that happens in just like seeing somebody's face, looking in their eyes, and you can know right away if there's a connection, if there's chemistry by just doing that. And you know what? Because you're on video, you're safe. You are safe from COVID. You are safe from getting murdered. So please, 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 no matter what, I don't care how long you've talked to somebody, please find a way to video chat them or like see them virtually before you even think about meeting up in person because it will save you so much time and energy from meeting up with somebody who you're not actually interested in. So life hack, video chat. And first impressions still happen over the phone, over video. So there's so much work, detective work that goes on then, like how they present themselves over video, how they sound, are they listening to you, the kind of questions they ask, like so many things that can happen in a first impression. And if you can do that from the safety of your home, do it. Now, let's be clear. We're not like advocating for you to stalk people or like truly find out every single detail about their lives. This is like very normal, like, oh, cool, okay. They are at a bar. That is enough information that I gain from this photo because I'm literally just looking at it. I think another key part of this is as you're meeting up in person is to manage expectations. So like, this is quarantine dating y'all. Like you gotta be very clear as to like, what's gonna go, what's gonna go down, what's not gonna go down. How comfortable both of you are with meeting in person. What are the rules and that you guys are setting for each other in your own situation? Like all those sorts of things also come up. So. Like from soup to nuts, you basically were like, all right, well, there's some filters of before I even date in terms of people who I don't want to date. There's some filters in terms of who you're swiping on. There's some filters in terms of like the conversations that you're initially having with people. Now there's some filters in terms of uh, how you're actually meeting in person, especially in, in this kind of situation. Absolutely. And no matter where you choose to meet, just make sure it's a safe space. Make sure, like Rajiv said, that you're talking about things like be like, hey, I'm going to be the one with the pink mask on and we're going to make sure that we're outside and we're going to make sure that we're going to rub elbows instead of shaking hands or maybe we're not going to touch at all. We're, but these are things that you have to talk about before you get to the meeting spot. So just be thoughtful, like think through the whole entire date and how you want it to go in your head and then communicate that to the other person so that they are aware of the expectations that you have, how close or far away you want them from you. If you want to hold hands, if like, or if you need to be wearing gloves, like all this stuff, there's so many fun COVID things to talk about <laughs> in terms of safety, but please do not be going over to strangers' homes before you video chat them or meet them in public uh, in person first. Please, please, please be safe. Be safe with COVID. Be safe with dating people that you've never met in person before. Please. <laughs> that is our message for Dating 101. <laughs> All very good advice. And again, this is Dating 101. There is a whole university like curriculum for how to date. And also, I'm not saying that exactly we are, you know, PhDs in dating. I'm definitely not saying that. But I think that there are other topics that we can dive into. For example, like catfishing or ghosting. Um, the Minimum Mystique in the chat just says like, if eight seasons of catfish has taught us nothing else, well, you know, things happen. So, 
All right. Well, I think I think we've kind of like waxed poetic long enough in terms of dating 101. I want to make sure that you guys have a chance to get back to your dorms and do some homework uh, and try some of these things. Uh, just be out there. <laughs> There's going to be a pop quiz. <laughs> there is going to be a pop quiz. Uh, the real question is like, all right, cool. You guys met up. You get, you've, you've solved Dating 101. Then what happens? Well, uh, because this is Dating 101, we're just wishing you good luck. Uh, and maybe you should just uh, tune in soon enough. Who knows when? Uh, but we'll definitely have a future episode on like a Dating 201 or a, dating, a PhD seminar on Dating 501. Like whatever that may mean. Like we're gonna to try to like talk about it. So if you, again, like Carly said, if you have some dating stories, if you have some ideas for what you think would be useful for everybody to hear about, especially those who are queer, those who are sober, and those who wanna be social and actually date, you know, those folks, send us a message on Anchor. You can send an email, all the sort of stuff that we'll get to in a second, because this wraps up today's episode. We just gotta, we gotta end it here, y'all. We gotta, we want to make sure that you are able to subscribe so you don't miss the next one as it comes out because we try to launch an episode every other week. And you can find our podcast on all major platforms and the video podcast lives at Twitch TV and YouTube. Be sure to follow us on Instagram if you don't already at Chicago Queer Sober Social. And if you'd like to please share your dating stories with us, we would love to hear all your tips, tricks, ideas, creativity, horror stories, all of it. <laughs> Send it to us at queersobersocial at gmail.com or like Rajiv said, leave us a voice message on the, our anchor page with everything that you would like to tell us. We can't wait to hear it. Coming up on our next episode, we have a very special guest on our show and we'd love for you to check out their podcast. It is called Love Is Not. And while they talk about what goes wrong in love, we're going to talk about what love could be. So come check us out in two weeks when we are going to be on our next episode, continuing the talk, not necessarily about dating, but kind of what comes after and how you can identify what love actually is in a sober queer relationship. So super, 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 super excited for that. And thank you listeners for being here. We are so grateful for you for listening to the queer sober social podcast and always remember you are queer enough you are sober enough you are enough